Okay, everyone, we're going to have a, a little bit of a special episode. Uh, this first segment is 20 minutes, and then after that, 20 minutes is going to be normal. But this first segment, I found this guy a couple years ago who runs this service that, frankly, I thought is kind of a scam. And we, Sean and I debated, our friend Andrew was like, hey, you shouldn't have scammers on there. And I kind of agree with him. But this guy's story is incredibly fascinating. And I don't want to tell you too much about it. Just listen to it. But we found this guy in India and he talked to us at midnight, his time in India. And frankly, I'm inspired by this guy. And I don't know if I agree with him or disagree with him, but I completely love the hustle. And I think that you guys should just give this a listen because it's super fascinating. Um, let us know what you think. Tweet at me, the Sampar. Uh, tweet at Sean. Uh, I don't actually know Sean's handle, but search Sean Puri. S-H-A-A-N space P-U-R-I, and let us know what you think. Yeah, what's up? What's going on? We got a guest here with us, Sam. Uh, Abhishek is here. How are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. I'm doing good. We've been talking about um, something you built. We've mentioned it on the last couple episodes. But I'm glad you're here, so you can you can tell people about what you've built and what what it does, and we can debate a little bit about it. So, uh, Abhishek, can you give us the one minute version of what it is that you built? So, uh, uh, we are using a referral system to give customers the credits which they can use to their rides or their eat orders. Now, now that eat orders are available, so that they they'll get discount on their every order like up to the 50 percent of the order order value okay so about two years ago or three years ago i forget when you started i got an email from a friend of mine who knows everything he follows all the latest interesting stuff and he loves like hackers and he goes there's this guy you're in india right yes right he said there's this guy in india and I don't know how it works, but somehow he's accumulated hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of Uber credits. And you can buy credits from him and ultimately get Uber rides for half off. So you know how Uber, ride, Uber gives people um, $10 off their first ride and gives the referral person another $10 in credit. This guy somehow accumulated massive amounts of $10 credits, and you could buy his $10 credits for $5. Now, the thing that Sean and I debated was like, is this ethical? Is this wrong? Is this right? Who knows? And I don't, I think Sean was like, I think it's fine. But regardless, I think it's incredibly interesting because, and I want you, maybe you could explain how this works, but from my perspective, it seems like you've got a crew of like hundreds or thousands of people taking rides and you're either you're buying are you buying their credits from them what are you doing yeah, explain explain how it works uh it's a basic arbitrage like arbitrage in india yeah arbitrage in in the us they used to give like ten dollar twenty dollar referral value in india they used to give 100 rupees 200 rupees 300 rupees in rupees and in india one right cost it starts from 50 rupees also 50 rupees or 25 rupees if you convert it to dollars, it will be like 30 cents, 40 cents, 50 cents max. So we are taking ride using that 50 cents. And in turn, Uber is giving us $10 in US. So the if US, we, if, US account is the, is the referrer. So I refer yes. an Indian rider. Indian rider yes. takes a 30 cent ride. 
and I get a $10 credit because I'm a U.S. customer and I get U.S. credit rates. That's the idea. Yeah, and so for yeah, listeners, 100, 100 rubies equals $1.4. Right. right. But that okay. doesn't, that's the easy part, Sean. The hard part is how are you getting all of these credits? Yeah, who are your writers? No, initially, I was not planning for this. I started a blog just to promote the Uber service when they came in India about six years ago. They launched in India. And I was just curious how it's working, how it's not working. So I was sharing among our friends. And at the time, they were giving around $10 in Indian value, about 600 rupees they were giving. But my right. ride cost was around 100 rupees, 100, 150 rupees from my flight to office. Right. So I was using... For, to use that uh, money for myself, I started referring others. Then I started accumulating more value, more value, like 6,000 rupees, 10,000, 20,000. Then I was not able to use all the credits for myself. Right. And, let, and, and, and you're doing this just by giving your link to your friends. Yeah, I, I started with, with my friends. Then I started a blog and blog got little popular. And because nobody was sharing that thing, that thing was totally new. So it was popular and for blogging, I started blogging like few years back for around 10 years back. So all the learning I, how to make do SEO and other things, how to make it popular a blog. I use those skills to make it popular, make this Uber thing popular and started getting referrals. Then I initially I was not selling to anyone, I, but I asked my friends to give me their referral code so that I can give credits them for free because I was not able to use all the credits right. for myself. So everybody was giving, uh, getting credits and in like hundreds of rides, they were getting free. And this is of basically because Uber like kind of, they quickly, in moving quickly, they, they just, they translated the $10 worth of credits to India, even though the rides were 10 times cheaper. And so that was the initial reason you were able to stack up so many credits. But yeah, it was very high value. That's in, when did you start India. selling the credits or when did you start making this a uh, service? Uh, when like my, all the, all of my friends got credits, they were not able to use themselves and Uber <laughs> started banning their account because Uber was thinking like they are getting credits like by some freak or something. <laughs> so I was not able to fill their accounts also. So I was having extra credit. So I asked in my blog also, if somebody wants this, then they can pay me like some 20 rupees, 30 rupees also. Like minus them is small thing because it was for me for free. It was coming for, to me for free. So they started coming to me. Then I started selling for just small 30 cents, 40 cents. And then slowly I kept increasing my rate because there were more people asking me those credits. Then suddenly in India, they reduced that referral value to minimum to like 50 rupees. So I was selling for 50 rupees and they were getting only 50 rupees credit. So nobody was buying in India. Right. Then I started exploring who can buy. Then I, I found out that this referral works across countries, uh, like all over the world. So I do you started remember the day you Do you remember the day you realized that? Like, was it just you're sitting in your boxers at night and you're looking at it? You're like, holy shit, this actually, I can, I can get 10 US dollars for this? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> just, it just happened. I think three years back, something. Yeah, three years back. Like I, I, one of my friend was also working with this, and there is another provider, Ola here. So we were selling for that also, Ola, Ola also. And my friend was mostly into Ola, and I was in Uber. So we were not competing with each other. Just we are helping each other to promote this. 
so he also he was also searching for some users buyers in us but ola is not available in us uber right. is available so he suggested me few friends like few customers and i from my blog also few people came slowly slowly i got customers. so how do you actually sell the credit so your account has credits how are you actually uh transferring those to the buyer i i don't have any credits for me you uber get the referral, you get the referral code from the person and you you earn them credits yes yes let's say it's your account if you give me your code i will on behalf of you i'll refer some some people and they'll take ride or they'll take uber like so, they'll place any order and they'll get referral but are you people. still doing it okay so first of all how much traffic was your blog getting and did you i guess did you rank for like india uber sign up referral yeah it was coming at one first position or second position i guess for that keyword and how many people a day region. come to your site or were at the peak not many i guess per day 1000 people max okay so, so, so you were getting these referral credits initially from your friends but at some point you must have run out of new friends to to bring to uber so at what point did you find a new way to get riders in india how did you do that uh once i was getting constant purchase like orders then i was asked i asked my friends like other bloggers how they do it then there is a like in facebook groups are there so few people were also they are having similar idea of like as me they are also selling the i like talk to them and explore like how they are doing how that doing then i said okay i'll give you some money if you just manage it with fit among your friends among your blogs among your facebook groups so somebody had said oh he's got a bunch of kids who will ride uber rides all day like you know you go to a school and you say hey hey kid you you know 12 year old kid go ride this for 1 mile please thank you very much here's here's 50 rupees is that what was happening or it really was just friends that's what i friends? thought cuz I, i you could see the pick i you guys listening i i bought this and <laughs> right. a bunch of my friends did and what happens is you get 10 dollar credits and by the way and i talked to you i talked to you about this when you log into your site it's super sketchy or it seems like that because <laughs> english isn't your native language and so it was you know it was clear that like right. you were i didn't buy cuz i got scared i was like yeah. i don't know what the hell this is i was like it's clear this guy like is tr- he's trying to and and so it looks quite sketchy and i told you this but when you and i did it and it worked it worked wonderfully and i did it because i talked to you but when you sign up i see all these kids like they seem like young boys like yeah, pop who, who up and i'm like kids? who are these I'm kids i'm like yeah i'm like this guy is, <laughs> is going to a high school or something he's getting these kids to take rides i i have few people who work for me kind of and they manage those kids like they they sign up many accounts from there because in india uber doesn't require credit card in us they require so india you just need to have a number to create an account so few people they create account so that other people other kids they take rides and you get referral bonus i see so you just need a phone number a new, a new phone number hey it's a new rider yeah it's new number is available and there are several websites they sell just number in right. number you need just otp just enter the number you'll get otp and account is created then right. take a ride and referral is available so were you so it was in fact like hand to hand combat kids like you were getting people to sign up it wasn't from the blog initially it was from blog then yeah to wow. compete with the others and others other people were there who were also selling so 
the business, man. You need did you, to did you have more supply or demand? So did you have more rides or more buyers? It depends on time to time because Uber keeps changing their policy and sometimes it, it stops everything. It doesn't work. Then, yeah, buyers are there, but no supply is there. Right. And then it starts supplies available, but no buyers. So has it Uber, keeps changing, yeah. did Uber ever contact you? Did they ever say, hey, what the hell's going on? Uh, no, I, Uber didn't contact me. I contacted Uber initially. <laughs> I tweeted them like, if you give me 100 rupees per referral, I, I'll give you so many accounts so that you can show those number of accounts to someone like to get funding or something like that. But they never replied to me. Then I was not able to use myself. So I started selling. No option was there. Otherwise, I was going to sell to them only like, okay, give me some money. I'll market for you. That's it. So you, you're, you're forgetting a major part, of, or you're not forgetting, you haven't mentioned a major part of this. And this is a huge thing that I, I it was a red flag to me, but I still did it was a, you offer a discount if you pay with Bitcoin. And B, <laughs> you have to change if you're in America, you, which I imagine a lot of your customers are, you have to change your account to where was it? What's the code? Maldives. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you're in America, you have to change. You got to change your account to say that you are in the Maldives, not because I, I don't know why. That's I think I don't know why you. Uh, I'll explain. Those were some uh, tricks you can say. Workarounds. In US, they were, they were in the US also. They were reducing referral value. Initially, it was twenty dollars, then ten dollars, then five dollars. Then when it came to five dollars, nobody was buying from us. So we're right. looking for how can how we can increase it. So we like. Somehow we like, luckily we found like if you change country, your referral value will go to $10. Maybe $10 is set default value in the Uber system. Like if there is no country set, it will be set to default like $10. Uh, okay. So you pick some obscure Other, country and you just get the 10 bucks uh, as yeah, your default. Yeah, so, somewhere where Uber is not running. So initially we tried Sri Lanka, but after that they are op like Uber is operating in Sri Lanka also. The in Sri Lanka referral value is set to Sri Lankan value, like some hundred rupees or something, Sri Lankan value. Then we found Maldives and then any other country you can set where Uber is not there, Uber is not operating. Then it was setting default value to $10, but $10 was, is good value for everyone to buy. So they were buying. Now I'm, I'm giddy talking about this. Yeah, and Sam's I'll, smiling like I've never seen him smile before. I'll tell you why I'm giddy <laughs> about this. But first, um, uh, is it, uh, I want to make sure I say your name correctly. Sorry. Uh, Abhishek. Yes. Right. I, I'm giddy about this because I don't, I don't know if I agree with the ethics of it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll, uh, but I, what I think is amazing is how hard you hustle to do something. And I think the people like you who come up with these intricate, even, even let, I, and I'm not saying I feel this way, but let's say that a listener says this is a scam and you're a scammer, but even the balls that it took to do this and the operation that you built around this, I find incredibly fascinating. And I think the people who build amazing things often start out this way. And I think that, I just think that you're frankly inspiring. I think it's amazing. 100%. I think we had, we had Greg on yesterday and I think he was talking about like, one of his earliest businesses was he, I think it was Greg, he sold a box of air on eBay <laughs> and people just found it funny. So they bought the box of air and he made thousands. It's like learning how to, uh, learning how to connect the dots, learning how to make money on the internet, learning how to tap into people's, um, you know, psychology and give them what they want. Um, you know, those are sort of core underlying business skills. And so, you know, the very first thing you said was this is a basic arbitrage. 
This could have been with Uber yeah. credits. It could have been with airline miles. It could have been with any, any system that's out there. If you discover a price discrepancy or a, a sort of um, a loophole in the way that the system is set up, you know, that, that's, a, that's an opportunity that, that you can take advantage of. Now, some people will say, hey, this isn't right. So, you know, I, my brain goes down this checklist. First, I say, is this morally or ethically wrong to me? And, you know, is anybody being harmed by this? From my understanding, nobody's being harmed by this. Was that correct? Or is that, you know, are you sort of exploiting these high school kids and then sending them on rides to the mountains and then they have to walk back or something? <laughs> no, no, no. They're getting pocket, pocket money and a pocket expense. Right. And then the second thing is like, is this illegal? No, this is not illegal. Is this against the terms of service of Uber? Maybe, but it's on them to sort of enforce that if they're going to, if they're going to allow this. Sounds like you literally reached out to them. You started this with a pure intent, which was to promote the Uber service, right? If I take you at face value, um, then I, then I, I see nothing wrong with this myself personally, but we'll let other people be the judge. I, I think I'm on board with this. I think I'm on board with this. I just think that because you're not a native English speaker, the site admittedly didn't come across wonderfully, but it, it's crazy. And I try to help you with it. I think I told you, right? I go, hey, man, your site looks like, like you're not using the right oh, words. And I, and I even rewrote something for him. <laughs> yes, yes. I keep, try, I keep updating it, but yeah, obviously. So, Abhishek, what are you doing now? You said that this is going to end soon or something like that. Uh, what makes you say that? And then what's next? No, Uber keeps changing their policy. Like two days back, they said like now referral, Uber ride referral is stopped totally all over the world. June 29. So it's stopped. Now we, I need to look for something. I'm basically a software engineer, so I'll find some other things to do. Uh, did you, you uh, how, how old are you? I'm 35. Did you, um, how much does your apartment cost to rent a month in US dollars? Do you know in US dollars? Yeah, I think. A few hundred bucks? dollars something? Yeah. Yeah, something, 300. And it, in, in your service? 350 yeah. How much? $350. 350 US dollars. And you, at your peak, were doing 20, 20K a month. Yeah, it was revenue, not the, all the profits. Yeah. But was it Close profitable? to 50% profit, yeah. 50%. yeah. Okay, so close to 50% profit, yeah. So you were doing um, ballpark... Uh, uh, 120K 50, a year. 50 times your monthly rent. Right? Kind Did I do that right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, a lot. I, I don't know if I did that math right. But anyway, um, why did you grow up poor? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, kind of lower middle class. And do you consider <laughs> what are you what are you now? It's still the same. Not I'm not spending any much. I don't have a car. I don't have apartment. Like it's rented apartment. Uh, you're, you're wearing an Apple Watch, I think. You, you your, <laughs> your apartment looks pretty cool. You know, I, I would say you're doing all right. You just fascinate me, man. I, I would wonder, are you, are you going to do, I'm not, I would call this illegitimate what you did because it is a, uh, I don't think it's wrong, but it is like a short-term thing. Right. Are you going to build something? Yeah. Why don't you build something um, that's huge? Like uh, something that can last because you're, you're pretty, you're fucking awesome. Yeah. Do, what, when you think about what's next for you, do you think you'll try to do something similar or do you think you'll try to do something that's different in some way? Like, um, you know, your own service, a different, uh, you know, something that has more enduring long-term value. Yeah, definitely different from this because yeah, in this field, it's keep getting like, it's depending on someone else's business. If they're not doing good, I'm not doing good. It's depending on something. So 
trying to separate from them. So something with less platform risk. Okay. All right. So Abhishek, here's what I want you to do, man. Uh, we're going to wrap this one up, but I want you to keep in touch with me and Sam. Let us know what you get working on next. We'd love to support you and help you, you know, help make that whatever that next thing is successful. And my hope is that you come back on in six months or a year and you say, hey, remember me? I'm the Uber, Uber pro guy. Okay. Here's what I did next. And it's even bigger and badder than what you've already done. And uh, the website is uberpro.in, right? Yeah, right. Great. Uberpro.in, yeah. People and think like that, it's like, yeah, it's Kami site due to the .in. It should be .com, then it'll, they think like it's right legitimate site kind of. It, it looks a lot better. I just went to the website right now. It looks a lot better. Your, your, your translation has gotten significantly better. It, it looks great. <laughs> it just, uh, you're a fascinating guy, man. You're cool. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for telling your story. Okay, thanks. Cool. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. We got to say good night. It's, it's midnight over there. We got to <laughs> say good night. Yeah. Good night. Sweet dreams. Yeah. Dude, you're awesome. Cool. I appreciate you coming. Thank you. All right. All right, that guy's crazy. I love him. <laughs> such a such a great little story. I just enjoy hearing those. Uh, anytime I hear something like that, I love it. I have a feeling that little segment is going to be very, very popular. I would love to hear what people think. I think that that was fascinating. I, people can't see me, but I am smiling a lot. Yeah, it's like Sam's wedding day over there. You just need to send in a photographer. <laughs> He's ready to go. All right, what else What else do you want to talk oh, about today? Hold on. I want to wrap this up. This guy, I, here's why this is fascinating to me. This guy, I love these guys who come from nothing and just do all types of crazy stuff to like build cool, interesting stuff, even if it is maybe right. unethical. I'm like... I'm gushing over this guy. I love these types of people. Um, okay, you want to move on? Yeah. Okay, uh, first thing I want to talk about. People fleeing cities. Um, I posted about this in the trends group. I posted about this on Twitter. I've gotten roughly two to 300 replies. I put my 30-day notice in to my apartment and I'm located in San Francisco. Um, people, uh, a report was released for June numbers uh, San Francisco's rent is down another 11%. Um, Sean, do you think that cities are going to change, or like some of the major expensive cities, so New York, San Francisco, I don't know what else. Do you think that they're going to change forever? Um, forever is a long time. It's hard to say. Uh, but I would say that like, you, you sort of have to ask, okay, what would get it to return to uh, bigger and badder heights than it was? And I think what was driving the San Francisco value sort of originally was the like kind of culture and the like, you know, the eclectic mix of people that lived in San Francisco. This was like, you know, sort of early days of San Francisco that went away as the core reason people came to the city. And then it got replaced with tech. And it's pretty clear that the tech movement has migrated away from Silicon Valley, not just because coronavirus, but in general, um, you know, cost of living getting higher and higher and higher as well as just winners coming out of Sweden and Israel and other places. It became clear, like, look, you don't have to be um, based out of Silicon Valley to A, raise money, or B, be successful. New York has had winners, LA has had winners, and uh, you know, a bunch of European countries have had winners, Atlassian in Australia, you know, Canva in Australia. So I think already that was happening, and this was just a turbo. This was an amplifier. So no, I don't think that San Francisco, for example, is going to be the hub for, um, is going to be a bigger hub than it was in the past you know, few years. I think it'll still probably be the biggest tech hub there is. It's just it will be smaller in size. Some of its weight will have gotten distributed out to Austin and New York and LA and other places that 
um, are benefiting from this? I believe that the numbers are being underreported at the moment. And I, it's strictly, what's it, what's it called uh, when you just hear stories, anecdotal? Yeah. Um, because I posted in this group and I had James Altucher replied and he goes, half my building's uh, vacant. Another person said, uh, two thirds of my thing is vacant. When I try to book a moving company, um, they're packed. They, they're, they're packed. Were you the one who posted like, um, you called a moving company about moves from California to Florida? Was that you or was that someone else? Not me. I think, I think Florida, it was no. either Dave Grossblatt or, or you or I forgot who it was. Uh, maybe it was my friend Kamar. Somebody posted, they had talked to somebody about, um, they talked to a moving company about moving from, uh, moves from California to Florida. I saw that. And, you know, normal volume was, let's say, 50 in a month. And now they're doing 500 a month and they can't keep up with them. They're turning people away because they just can't handle as many moves uh, that are migrating, you know, to, to greener pastures. And so, you know, these are the leading signals that you see. And it makes sense. Like, I, I myself moved out of the city. I, I know tons of people that are either already moved, considering moving, or, uh, or not planning on planting roots in the same way that they were six months ago, which is kind of wild because that's a very short amount of time for such a big migration. Yeah, it's pretty nice. So let's talk, let me talk about a few opportunities there are, which is, first of all, uh, when I'm moving, I'm, I'm now I'm trying to figure out my tax situation. Which state do I, right. um, am I going to call home? Um, and I got to, I have to, it's all about your intent and there's a bunch of things that you can do. For example, getting a mailbox in a different state. So virtual mailboxes are, are kind of intriguing to me at the moment. The second thing is you have to declare to the state of California or whatever state you're leaving that you are no longer a resident. Right. And there's a ton of manual things you have to do, like contacting the DMV. Um, there's a few more things, whatever. Sure. Uh, and that's pretty interesting. I'm, and, I, and I'm curious what's going to happen with that. Um, did I show you this? Uh, the founder of Ship is it uh, Shipped? It's a uh, it's that thing that sold to Target for five hundred million dollars. It was like a. Um, I'm not familiar. Okay, so the, it's called S H I P T. Okay. Um, so it was basically like Instacart, but for the South. The okay, founder's okay. name was Bill Smith. He sold it for four or five hundred million dollars. Huge win. Um, and he has a new company. Let me, it's called, um, landing. And what landing does is they have a network of apartments across the country and they're all pretty similar and you pay a fee and you get access to all the apartments. And so if you go to their website now, you can go to, um, landing. Yeah. Landing. So if you type in, let's see, I typed in, uh, hello landing, hello landing.com. Okay. So you go, it's pretty fascinating. It's super interesting. So they're clearly appealing to these 20, 30 year old young people who have a little bit of money. Um, you can sign up. They've got 13 major cities. You pay $200 for a yearly membership and then you select a variety of furnished apartments and then you get like a slight discount on uh, staying there for a month at a time. So for right. example, they have a $3,000 two bedroom apartment that's available July 2nd in Austin. And then you could spend uh, a little bit more money and go to uh, DC, things like that. Super interesting. Yeah, this is cool. So this is basically corporate housing because you're getting furnished turnkey apartments, but it's without the corporate. It's like they just put the power in the hand of the individual who may or may not be doing this as part of a co corporate relocation. They might just, this might just be a lifestyle relocation like you're, you're doing right now. So you're going to use this. Well, I, at the moment, because of Corona, I don't want to be in an apartment. I only want to be in a home, a house yeah, or space. an apartment with a private entrance. 
but like you can rent a place in LA, a one bedroom for $2,500 a month right now on this website. And it's all furnished. Hmm. Um, very fascinating. Now there's a lot of holes in this model, but this is something that is very attractive to me and very interesting. And Saunders is kind of similar, right? Yeah, but they're not doing so hot because they were corporate travel. And uh, there's rumors, I think they've laid off a ton of people. There's rumors that they're going to go out of business. Yeah, that's crazy. And then there's another one called Guild, started by a friend of mine, um, maybe The Guild or Guild. And they do the same thing, but it's also for corporate travel. Whereas this is more so for nomadic-y type of people. Right. Very fascinating. What do you think about those? Yeah, I like the idea. I think it's kind of one of those ideas that's either going to seem obvious in retrospect uh, or you never hear about it again. Um, so, so, so I think that it makes sense that more people are going to be doing this. The question is, is it enough? I like the membership model, right? Like I think that's kind of a core difference from, you know, okay, well, I'm, if I'm going to move, I'll just go and do my search or whatever. But like once I'm in this network, then I'm just going to keep picking apartments in this network. But and, you know, I think you're trying to move like whatever every month. Most people are probably not trying to do that. I'm not going to do that for a long time. Right. So, so I think, you know, the question is like, what is the like length of stay? And are they, are they pricing these above what it would be if I did a year long lease and they're making more off it per month due to the flexibility? Okay. I could believe that. But then it's, you know, it's, it's questionable if the economics are going to work, right? Because you're going to have vacancies where, you know, there's gaps of renting and have you, you know, do the economics work based on how many people are trying to do this at all times? You know, it's one of those, it's one of those situations, unlike Airbnb, where for Airbnb, they don't pay to lease all the places. So when demand goes down, sure, their revenue goes down, but their cost basis also goes down. Whereas for these guys, their costs are going to be fixed, essentially, because they're going to be locked into all these leases. So they can't withstand kind of the normal demand fluctuations that other that uh, Airbnb type site could do. Yeah, uh, I'm interested. Uh, I agree with everything you've said. We'll see. What do you got? Okay, let me tell you about some things that I found kind of interesting. So you wanted to talk a little bit about levels, and we've mentioned it before. Um, tell me what's interesting about levels. So levels, for, for those who are either new or you don't remember, at one point in time, me and Sam did this one-month weight loss challenge where we installed a continuous glucose monitor on our arm, and it measured, you know, how is your glucose spiking based on what you eat? And the way this challenge was organized uh, by, by this guy, Justin Mares, was if your glucose level stays below a certain level, meaning you're not eating sugary carb foods, um, he will re essentially return a deposit. We made a deposit of like $800 at the beginning of the month. Every day that we ate right, he would send Venmo us money back. And it was a cool idea. It was a fun challenge. It wasn't super well run. But it was also, both of us walked away being like, yeah, well, this is the future. I'm going to have a device implanted on my body that tells me how my body's doing in real time. Um, and so Levels is a company that's trying to productize that. So what did you find interesting here? Why did you put Levels back on? Yeah, uh, this app is not in the app store. It's... Uh, oh, TestFlight. Yeah, it's in TestFlight, uh, levelshealth.com. So yeah. the, the background here is, uh, so people who have diabetes have either have to prick themselves every certain amount of time, hours or days, I don't know, um, and test their blood glucose. And there are, there's a company, it's, uh, it's like the huge health company, I forget what it's called, um, probably Pritzker does it, I mean, whatever the, the, the huge conglomerates are, they have this machine called a Freestyle Libre. Abbott, isn't it? Abbott, that's the one. It's a huge 
conglomerate. It's just a big thing. And it's this thing that you put into your arm and it tracks your blood glucose like with a 30 second delay. And for two weeks. For two weeks. And if you have diabetes, people use this all the time. Now, the problem is, is if you're just a nerd like me and you just want to test this and you don't have diabetes, you actually have to get a doctor's prescription. You can't buy this. I don't know why that's the case. I Maybe there's some great rule behind it. I'm not educated on it. But what Levels is trying to well, do is- To clarify, I think you can buy it. You just aren't subsidized by insurance. So it's more expensive, right? But maybe you can buy it from one of those like penis enlargement pills websites or like <laughs> something like that. But I, I don't think that you can go on to abbott.com and buy it or freestylelibre.com or libre.com and buy it. I, I, right. I'm almost positive you can't. And I don't know why it's so hard, but it is. And so what Levels is doing is they're doing two things. One, they're giving you an app that you can- make it easy to track your levels, your blood levels, and they're trying to eventually create the hardware for it. And I think this is just incredibly fascinating. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I think these guys are raising money now, and I think it might be something to bet on. I don't know yet, though, but it's really cool. What so do you it, think? it reminds me of, like, if you had just told me the idea, I would have been like, oh my God, I got to invest in this. After doing it for two weeks, uh, first of all, at the time, now maybe it was just early on, their app kind of sucked. It wasn't like the the normal, the out-of-the-box Freestyle Libre app was just better to use. Totally. Um, first, you had to use it because that's how the scanner works. And so this was like, first scan it in this app and then open the Levels app to like see it in a prettier chart. Um, and I didn't find it prettier nor useful at all. Um, I think the dream for them is it's a great visualization. It gives you tips as you go. And you do your food tracking, your meal logging in it. But the meal logging was super clunky when we used it. So I never logged my meals in it because I was like, this is too cumbersome. Um, so I was unimpressed by the actual thing at the time. But I think this idea is amazing. I think that it's going to have really high retention for the people that uh, opt into this lifestyle. And, um, and so I'm, I'm a believer in the in the concept behind this business. I would build a business like this myself. I'm like that much of a believer in it. Um, and it also reminds me like there's a, a company that just sold for 500 million yesterday, I think called mirror. Um, did you see this? You, are you familiar with mirror? So it's a, very. it's this thing you put on your wall. It's an actual mirror. That's sort of like a home gym that you plant on the wall. And um, there's two of these that are out there that I know of tonal is one and mirror is the other. So mirror got bought by Lululemon yesterday, for $500 million. And, you know, on the surface is like one of those really hard businesses. It's like hardware, new behavior for customers, really expensive. Um, and so you could see all these different ways that it was going to fail. And this, uh, this female founder who, who did it and the VCs who backed it, it paid off. Uh, and it got bought by Lululemon for a really great exit. And I think that something like Levels has the potential to be that. If they can build the really awesome consumer, uh, kind of like the health conscious consumer, what they want, that's more than a Fitbit, that's more than an Apple Watch, um, it's actually tracking their glucose levels. I think they could end up getting bought right back by a company like Abbott or um, by one of the the sort of big, you know, either health or fitness companies that are out there. So I think it's a good bet as a business. I wasn't in love with the product. I agree on everything you said. I think that what the problem it's solving is twofold for me. The first thing is nutritional information and calorie information on a lot of packaged foods and normal foods. Do you realize how wildly <laughs> inaccurate that is? Like it could be like 20 oh, wow. or 30% okay. off. Like it's, it's pretty off. Like if you go, um, 
I remember uh, Casey Neistat did this thing where he took a Big Mac. He took like five different Big Macs and he's like, all right, it says on the package um, that this is how much calories is in it. And then he actually, you know, a calorie is, uh, one calorie is the amount of energy it takes to heat up, I believe, a gram of water, one Celsius uh, mm-hmm. in temperature. Yep. And he act, so they like did that test and like, oh, wow, these are off by like 10 or 20%. And it was pretty interesting. I think that that's an interesting thing to look into. I also think that carbohydrates and protein and, and your different macros and nutrition, nutrient information, it uh, impacts people differently. Like, right. and I think that that's interesting to see what fits you best. Right. And what, what triggers your responses versus not. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in general, anytime you can take something that has a really long feedback loop and give people an immediate feedback loop, that's a, that's the foundation of a great product. Like that's, if that's the only thing your product did, you can win. And that's what this does. It gives you a really fast feedback loop on how what you eat affects your body. And I think that's both really important. And I think it'll be really compelling if it can get productized. Now, maybe these guys will do it, or maybe they'll make 30% of the way progress. But like, to me, this is inevitable. This, there will be a company like this. It will be uber successful. This will be very normal for people to have on their body at all times in some form factor, whether it's a patch on your arm or it's a, you know, a ring or a watch or something like that. But, and I think specifically the glucose monitoring um, to me is more interesting than sleep tracking, step counting, you know, temperature, you know, all that other stuff that's, that's potential like for you to track because it's related to eating. And if you can affect the way that people eat, uh, you can change their whole life. Man, um, what do you got? So here's one thing that I found interesting. Uh, alt data. So what is alt data? So there's this market that I didn't really know existed, but it made sense when I heard it, um, which is alternative data that people buy. So the alt data market is like two to three billion a year right now. And what this means is, let's say you're a, a trader, you're on Wall Street, or you're a hedge fund manager. Um, you are constantly looking for an edge, you're looking for alpha, as they say. So how do you have an edge on the market so that you can get better returns than the average, right? Because you're charging fees to your customer to manage their money. So you have to beat the sort of passive indexing that they could just get by being in the market as a whole. So um, turns out there's a huge market for alt data and where people are buying, you know, one of the following, it could be satellite imagery. So for example, you can look at crop yields in different countries and you can know how the commodity prices are going to be affected and how that affects Starbucks because they require these beans over here. You can look at um, mobility data. So that's what's happening right now for people who are betting on the economy to recover. So Google and Apple have these charts that show how much people are using Google Maps, which shows how much they're moving around right now. And that's a key indicator of like commerce activity. So a lot of the people who bet on, who are betting on the economy, they're trying to figure out, all right, are we about to go into shelter in place 2.0 or are people getting out and about and the economy is about to recover? It's really financially important to know that. So they're buying mobility data. They're buying, you know, other sources of data, which is like Robinhood, their, one of their core business models is they sell the, I forget what it's called, like flow data or whatever. Basically they, they sell the transaction data of what people are trying to buy on Robinhood to these quant funds who will then front run the market in many ways. They'll, they'll see that, okay, a bunch of retail traders are going to buy Tesla. Cool. Let's go buy Tesla faster than they can. And we'll get the uplift of this retail traffic that's coming in. So there's all these different alt data sources. And I just thought this was a really interesting business to do one of two things. Either A, you could build a 
alt data market where a marketplace where basically people could put their source of data and uh, buyers could come and browse the different satellite providers, the different uh, mobility providers, like who, whatever. And you can sort of pitch what your thing does and they could pay to get in contact with you to vet your stuff. And then there could That's be cool. a reputation market around it. The other thing that I thought was interesting was just what other alt data sources could exist that you could bring to market and monetize in a way that's not being monetized yet. So I think some of this is new, right? Like cell phones unlocked a whole bunch of passive data sources, that uh, passive data that, that didn't exist before because now you have everybody with a GPS and a microphone and, and other you know, tools on them. So I'm curious what other alt data sources might exist uh, that could could tip people off to to make better financial decisions or you know at least for for Wall Street because that's where the big bucks are. That's pretty interesting. And so sometimes at the hustle, people like crazy people will email me and they're like, "Oh, you're selling my data," and I'm like, uh, I, "I'm not selling your data because I literally don't even know how to do that." <laughs> like I'm like, if I well, could, I would. Well, like I'm like <laughs> maybe be, like is selling data selling data inherently isn't wrong. I mean, you mean like someone on your email list is that what you mean? Well, they'll think they'll get like spam and they'll think that somehow I sold their email address, which not even a chance. I never did right. that, um, which I know how to do that. I know how to sell an email list, but I don't know how to like sell insights or data. I mean, I, I don't even know who would buy it. I don't even know if it's valuable. I know nothing. Right. Um, but that's, that's cool. That's a cool like, idea. Like you a have. great, like a great one is second measure, which basically takes credit card data. And so people know, okay, DoorDash is beating Uber Eats because they can look at the, the second measure data and they can see, you know, who's doing more credit card transactions out of those, those different companies. So VCs are using this, you know, for example, I think one that would be awesome that's not public is cloud usage. So whose AWS bills are going up. And if you somehow knew who's, who's, whose web traffic is going up or whose bandwidth is going up or whose consumption is going up on, on AWS, I think that would be a really interesting signal to use to invest in companies or sectors as a whole. So I'm, I'm just That's trying to think cool. of what are some different alt data sources and I don't have a ton, you know, but, but I think that this is interesting and, and the way these are used are different. Like you, you had told me your dad's in the like kind of produce farming market sort of. Yeah, um, and they do, and he's um, he's got like a a a, a, me, a small medium sized business, and so they're not using significant data, but they definitely use the weather and they use some futures right. and things like that. But yeah, and so I think that there's a lot that's in agriculture where people are selling um, wet weather specific weather data, like more specific than the sort of general weather data, and um, and also just general yield data that's that they have across uh, the agriculture market for for. Uh, for uh, individuals in the, in that in that space, and so I think that's kind of interesting too. So I'm curious. I, I know that in, for example, in sports, there's Synergy Sports, which measures all the court movement of basketball players uh, on the court. Now, this is a I think it's available or it's bought by every single NBA team because no NBA team can just afford to like not have the data when the other 29 teams are doing it. And so these guys literally just by installing cameras on the backboard in all 30 arenas they now have something that's proprietary that they can sell for millions of dollars to NBA teams just to say, Hey, here's, here's a data set that you can go and hopefully make better scouting decisions or game plan decisions based off of. I'm looking at this now. This is crazy. Synergy sports. Yeah. This is awesome. It's owned by a company called an atrium sports company. What is atrium sports? I have no idea. 
that's amazing. I never, ever would have thought. It looks like it might be a public company. I never would have thought that this was a thing. And I love simple ideas like that where, you know, it's not rocket science. I think they get exclusive partnerships. And also the teams don't want multiple cameras having to be installed in their space or whatever. And so, and then they have like tremendous pricing power over the teams uh, once they have the data. And so, I, and, and the, the richer their data set, like the longer they're installed, the worse the switching costs are if they ever want to use another provider, right? Because, okay, we could use this other provider, but then we lose the last 10 years of historical data that we might use to find patterns or make better decisions. And so I think a, a company like Synergy Sports is a simple company that's very well positioned uh, in this market. So Synergy Sports was either owned or co-owned by Mark Cuban, and he sold it, and the company sold it to uh, Atrium Sports for $90 million dollars. Interesting. I think it's worth a lot more now because this is sort of a more recent trend. Um, okay. Another thing to follow up on that's sort of sports related. So we had talked about Jack's idea of a, of a, a baseball card sort of Fort Knox and uh, you know, a place to store and trade baseball cards without ever having moved hands. And then a whole bunch of people reached out after the podcast, which is great. Love it when they do that to be like, Hey, you ever heard of free ports? And I was like, well, no, I've never heard of that shit. What is it? And basically what free ports are, uh, this is my like very brief Googling afterwards, but I was like, oh, I should, I should mention this. I should close the loop on this. So a free port is, um, is an art storage warehouse. So, they, so basically people do this for art. So it does two core things. You buy a piece of art, it gets stored in a free port, and um, this ha they handle like sort of the whole storage process so your art doesn't get damaged, doesn't get stolen. It's like, you know, state-of-the-art security, that sort of thing. But the main benefit, the reason people do this is because art can't be, when you buy a painting for $80 million, which people do, uh, believe it or not, they, you have to pay sales tax. You have to, buy, you have to pay tax on that, on that purchase. And so that could be you know, four or five million bucks. And so how do you avoid paying that tax? Well, you only owe tax once it's landed in your destination. So a free port is considered to be in transit for an indefinite amount of time. Um, so, so what they do is you buy a piece of art, it goes to the Freeport, it's in transit for 20, 30 years. So it's a way to preserve wealth uh, across like decades and not have to pay the tax until you sort of want the tax to be due. And then you could actually just sell it to somebody else who will keep it in the Freeport. And then you sort of move on without ever having to like use the art as uh, like get the art out. And so I thought this was really interesting. I had never heard about this. Um, I bet there's either software you could build around this or marketplaces for these or, uh, you know, some kind of, you know, um, sharing economy version of free ports. Like, I don't know enough about it, but it definitely made my ears perk up. And if somebody out there wants to go do a bunch of research on free ports, I would love for you to come in our Facebook group and post what you found, because I think this is very interesting. Okay. So uh, I'm looking up, uh, this is awesome. Love, love this. Um, so there's a one called Geneva Freeport. The Economist has a bunch of really cool articles about it. The headlines are very clickable. It's like the largest art collection for the uber rich that you'll never see. Right. And it's in Geneva's in, I'm ignorant, Switzerland, right? Geneva, Switzerland. I think so. Um, and uh, this Freeport company, Freeport, Geneva Freeport, it, it had uh, 250 employees. And it had sales of 70 million. I don't know what that is. Is that a Swiss franc? I don't know what, I think that's what that is. Um, I bring you saying yes. So that's a 70 million francs. I don't know what, uh, what the conversion is. Right. Um, and it sold recently for a lot of money. 
fascinating. Yeah. So, so, so I think there's more to be more, more needs to be looked into, into that. Um, okay. One last thing I wanted to bring up because we got five minutes left, unless you have one, if you have one, you should go. No, I'm obsessed with free ports now. <laughs> Sam Freeport Par. Um, all right. So the last thing is I had this conversation yesterday. I just wanted to share this. I put this in our Facebook group, but yeah, I wasn't sure if you were able to talk about that. I, I, it's going to be kind of a, a tease. So sorry, but whatever. Um, but I still think there's some lessons to be learned. All right. So I was talking to somebody yesterday, a very credible person. They sold their last company for over $80 million and they were talking about what's next. And, um, and they said something, you know, we were talking about how we're thinking about, you know, what, what the next chapter looks like. And he goes, yeah, you know, I find myself, I asked myself this question, which is how do I build something in two weeks? That's going to make me $5 million in the next two months. And literally the other people that were there just started laughing. Cause they're like, what? Like, that's not a thing. And he's like, no, I think, I think it is a thing. And he's like, you know, I didn't know the answer, but like, I asked myself the question. I believe that it was possible. He's like, and so I, can't, I got a bunch of ideas. And he started rattling off the ideas. And the very first idea, I was like, holy fuck, this is actually going to work. Like, I would, I would actually bet that, that the idea he said would work, which is crazy because, like, even if that idea had a 10% chance of working, it would be totally worth doing it. If it had 1% chance, it'd be worth doing it. I think this idea has, like, a 50% chance of working. And after it happens, I will come back on here, and I will be like, that was the idea uh, that I was referencing. But So I can't talk about the idea. I can't say who it was. But I will say, I think there's something very powerful to asking yourself this question. You know, one of my like kind of Seanisms is ask a better question, get a better answer. And so instead of saying, oh, what do I want to do with my life? What should my career be? What do I want to work on? Ask a better question. And so his better question was, what can I build in two weeks? Oh, and also it was with no code. So what can I build in two weeks with only using only no code tools um, that will make me $5 million in two months? And so he first started hunting down what are examples of things that are making $5 million, you know, across a two month time span. And he found a bunch of examples and then he worked off of those to figure out what can he build. That's not that, but similar has similar properties. Um, Alex too, who's the guy who created million dollar homepage did the same thing. He was 18 years old and he asked himself a question. How do I make a million dollars? I think it was, I think he also said in a month, like, how do I make them? How do I become a millionaire in a month? And the idea that, he, that came to him was million dollar homepage and it actually worked. He actually pulled it off in the next like two months. Um, so what do you think of this? And do you ever ask yourself questions like this? Um, or am I just crazy? A little bit. I, I ask myself, I, uh, I think of like what my long-term goals are and I'm like, how do I get this done just like this year? Right. I do so that all the time. What's my 10 year plan? How do I do it in one? Yeah. I ask <laughs> myself that all the time, but I, I think that most people are shocked that these silly questions can be have true answers right and there's many examples of this happening so for example um the samware brother the samware brothers they own rocket internet they cloned ebay but in germany and sold it back to ebay in 90 days for 50 million dollars right <laughs> and i think that if someone wanted to say i'm going to a abandon my family. I'm going to abandon my health. I'm going to abandon my <laughs> friends and I'm only going to do something for six months. I think they'd be shocked at what can happen. Now they're going to pay the price. You, right. you, you got to pay a price for what you, for what, what, what you get. But I think it is great. That's a great question. And I'm going to tell my company that. So we, we had done a this. version of this, like on the podcast once, which was if you had to make a thousand dollars 
like either today or like in the next 48 hours, how would you make a thousand dollars? And you can't use any, like you only have like a, whatever, hundred dollar budget. I think you were like, I would buy bottled waters. I would go to a place and I would sell, you know, every bottle of water that I'm buying for whatever, 20 cents for $3. And I would just go in front of a hot area. And I, I know I could make a thousand dollars. I've done it before. Right. That was like your answer to that. Yeah. So I I, I, by the way, I made five grand this weekend and I didn't make five grand because I, I sold all my gym equipment there you go. <laughs> and I sold a bunch of used clothing. Um, but the, the gym equipment we sold, uh, cause I bought a lot of it used and there's a huge demand. I got three or 400 replies right. on Craigslist from it. So I, I made five, I, I profited a couple grand gross five. Yeah. And Gary Vee's always talking about this, like, okay, go you know, go hunt free Craigslist and Facebook marketplace and thrift shop or whatever, and then go list everything on eBay. And like, you can make two, you know, $250 a day doing that. And like, go show me your hustle. And he like, does this whole fucking hustle. This is hard ass work. Yeah. It's hard ass work. And so I like I think, the first question. Why do you get 5 million in 30 days? Yeah, exactly. So, so you're probably going to work the same, same level of difficulty just with the bigger price. So, okay. So let's, let's play the game. Um, let's say you need to generate, you need to make a million dollars in the next month, what do you do? And you can't use any of your existing assets to do it. I'll so give if you, I had to I'll give you a budget of 10 grand, if I had to use an existing asset, I would for sure do a course on how to start a newsletter. Um, that would, I would okay, bet my life that could, would do it. You can use your uh, brain. Sure. But you can't use your like hustle email list. For example, I would have, to, I would have to use that. Um, I don't know, man. That's a hard ass question. Can you answer yours first? Cause you already discussed this. Uh, well, no, I just thought of it just now, but we let's both brainstorm it on the spot. I think that's the sort of real way to do it. So, okay. So what are some things that I would do? Um, I think partially like this guy, I would look at things that are already generating that amount. Um, and I would see, okay, is there a riff on this that I can use to, to make that happen? So for example, is there, is there something in the, you know, Oh, I, like, for example, I know a guy who's making a lot of money in crypto right now. And what he's doing is sort of arbitraging between exchanges and liquidity pools to, to make money there. Okay. Can that scale up to get to the million bucks? Okay. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Is there, it's just, that's really complicated. Is there an app that I could use? Okay, is there an app that I could build, right? Like, you know, the, the weather app, an alarm clock app, like some stupid, simple app that I could do, a meditation app that I, uh, you know, a sleep sound app that I could build that could that could generate that type of revenue in that short amount of time. Well, I think I'd probably have to pay too much for the marketing of it. So in my 10 grand budget, I can't do it. So the constraint really is the 10 grand budget. Okay. How do I do that? I could, I think you have to make something that a business will buy from you. Like they would buy the asset. So like as a customer, you mean not like acquire it because acquisition it, will take too long. Well, yeah, but well, what is like an immediate need? So like, if someone's like, I need more customers, it's like, Hey, I built this database. There's, I think there might be some customers here, but like, if you had to use no code, you'd have to like, I, you I think don't have to use no code. You just $10,000. $10, that's all. I that's would all. have to, cause I can't code. Right. Fuck. You, that's hard. You can recruit someone. You can convince someone. I mean, it. I guess you could do real estate and try to like fendagle like a contract on something, but I, I don't know how to do that. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't. Okay, be yeah. So, that. so that's one way. So what you could do is you can find a, you could, you could go hunt for a property that is sort of distressed in some way. You could get the right to buy it and not, you know, you, you put, you get it under contract without putting your money down yet. And then you can simultaneously find a buyer for that property. That's because they're not marketing it the right way. And you could basically do the buy sell on the same day without ever putting the money into the deal. Wholesaling. Um, so 
Abreu corrected you. It's called wholesaling. That's called wholesaling? Properties? Yeah, uh, yeah, wholesaling real estate. You just flip the contract. It's flipping okay. without doing any of the work. Yeah, exactly. So, you, you, you know, you could do something like that. Um, but that's not what, what I would do. What, what would I actually do? I would try to design something that goes viral, right? Because for $10,000, I'm not going to be able to get distribution through any paid means. So I need something that's going to spread virally and then net me some money at the end. So it's got to be a digital good though. It can't be, you can't be selling like deodorant. Yeah, exactly. So, so it, what could go viral? That's going to be a digital thing. You know, maybe there's a variant of the million dollar homepage type of idea that you could do. Maybe you could actually, maybe you could do a physical product. So maybe you could do a physical product that you don't, you actually don't um, make yet. You just pre-sell it. So, so that would still fit within the, the bounds, but you'd have, it'd have to be a viral product that would spread without you doing paid marketing. So you, you could do like a Kickstarter type of project and pre-sell a million bucks and use the 10 grand just to make the video of the product that you're going to make. So I'd have to have, a, I'd have to come up with a product like that. Dude, maybe this free porting thing would get that. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come into the next episode and I'm going to have my answer to this question. I'm going to have a great answer. I'm going to have an answer that if I listen to it, I'd be like, fuck, I should go do that. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to make that my homework for, for this thing. I'm going to give myself the weekend basically to come up with my answer for it. And I think you should do it too. And a brain, that would be such a too. fun experiment to do. I yeah. haven't, and then I we should do it. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I have admittedly an unfair advantage. Like we did a course and I don't know if I want to do courses ever again, but it was like wildly profitable and yeah. people loved it, but that for sure would work. Yeah. But I think we have to do it without using the assets. I think that's the real, that's the real uh, sort of creative test because otherwise it doesn't really apply to most people because they don't have the unfair advantage you have to begin with, which is like whatever millions of people who read your emails. So I think you need to, to do it without it. I get that. But if I were to do this, I would absolutely use that because I'm like, uh, this works. Okay. I'll bring you with a good idea. Okay. So you create a campaign called 1 million masks and you are going to give away masks for free to people who need it to prevent coronavirus. And you convince the brands to put their logo on it and pay for the masks. And let's say the mask is 50 cents. You charge a dollar for the mask to the brand or a dollar 50, you pocket the dollar and you need to, you need to get a million masks uh, paid for by brands in the meantime to do it. So you tap into something timely where brands are looking to, to put their stamp on something and be a part of them, uh, contribute to the cause. This is such an interesting thing. All right. Are you down to, to come back with your answer to this? And also, Abreu, are you down? That was my answer. That's a good one. All right. But I'm giving you extra time. If that's the best answer you come up with, you just come back and say it again. But if you come up with a better answer by our next recording, then you got to put it, you got to say it on air. All right. I got you. All right. Cool. Um, and that's, that's how this podcast can go viral, by the way. We just put our money where our mouth is. We say, hey, we did this brainstorm thing. And by the way, for the next month, every episode is just the progress of doing that thing and reaching the million. <laughs> this, this is pod, so much work, but viral. I'm down. I'm, I'm very interested. <laughs> hey, there's a prize. You, you can make a million dollars this month. It's not work for nothing. Are you, do you consider yourself lazy? Yes. Same. To the point of uh, like it being a negative. Same. I'm like, uh, so much work. <laughs> I, uh, I remember I applied when I, when I moved to Silicon Valley, I was applied to the job at Monkey Inferno for the idea lab. And I had made like a resume, like a website resume. I, I basically went all in for them. I made a website. It was my resume. It was about them tailored to them. And one of the sections was I made it like a video game where I was like, here's my attributes. Like if you go in Madden or whatever, it's like speed 99, this, whatever, 92. 
And so I did it for all my business attributes and um, work ethic was my lowest attribute. It was like a five out of 10 or whatever it was, like, a, you know, 55 out of 100. And during the interview, the guy was like, this was, this whole website thing was great. Like, but why did you say your work ethic was bad? Like, I've never seen somebody come into an interview and say, I'm not that hard of a worker. Like, but I'm what's honest. that all about? I was like, yeah, I'm honest. Like, that, I'm not. I'm just not. I was like, there's other people who are, but like, you know, that's not what I do. I don't try to work the hardest. Um, I do try to work the smartest, but I, I, I definitely, I actively try not to work the hardest. There's this uh, like quote where Bill Gates, he says something like, yeah, like the best hackers are super lazy and that's why they invent stuff. It's because they don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. They, they find the, the quickest path to the solution. Um, well, let's wrap it up. Tweet cool. at us. Let us know what you think. Give me your answers. I'm coming back Monday with great answers. All right. See ya. And let, let us know what, what you guys think about this first segment. I think that I'm inspired by this guy, to be honest. I love meeting people like that. That was inspiring to me. Yeah, that was a good scheme. That, that one almost, almost pulled it off for him. Actually, yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. Oh, I got to run.